You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menunos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Believe After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Believe After Show. Hey guys, welcome to the Believe After Show here on AfterBuzz TV. At Coco's request, we're playing a little classical music from the New York Philharmonic today because obviously it's going to function and going to come into play here in the episode. You are watching the Believe After Show, Season 1, Episode 9, entitled Prodigy. I'm Bobby DeMiro here with the wonderful Courtney Henderson. What's going on, Coco? I would just like to listen to the music for a second in silence. All right, that's good enough. Okay, cool. We're good. I guess we're back now. Welcome into the after show, guys. We're very excited to have you. One uh, note that we should make, Kate Aquilano has been fired. No, I'm just kidding. She's off tonight. She will be back with us next episode. She actually tweeted that she was sad she was going to be gone this week only so that we couldn't fire her. That's (laughs) Implying that, you know, she will be back. (laughs) She will be back. She will not be back next week, and neither will we next week, May 12th. Uh, believe is off, so we will not be filming. Or May 11th, they're off. We will not be filming the 12th. Will we'll Studley be, back be here? May 19th. Studley never leaves the studio. I know. I'm glad him. that you mentioned him because, folks, sitting with us today, he had such rage re- rave reviews last week. He's <laughs> back again. Guys, it is the turtle who has overcome all the hurdles. The little guy with the fire in his eye. The reptile with the killer smile. Studley. You. <laughs> Did you like my intro for him? I loved it. Yeah, I thought you might. Are you like going to introduce his friends? Um, well, yes. He's got two friends there. One's a penguin. One is a blue monster that we're not really allowed to. Well, we talk all know who about. he is. We know he who he is. Himself. Yeah. So listen, they're listen, listen to this. There you go. That should yeah, have been the intro music. That's no introduction needed for him. We are uh, we're bringing Studley in. He'll talk later today. He's got the headset on, so we'll see what he has to say. And he did. If you missed it, believe fans, he did do a an AfterBuzz TV confessional in the booth earlier this afternoon. We'll post the link in the YouTube comments. So if you're watching the YouTube video, if you're listening on the podcast, go get on the YouTube video. You want to watch the <laughs> confessional. Trust me, Studley speaks. It's very funny. He has a lot to say about the women on the show. Yeah, he does. He has a crush on both <laughs> you girls and does not care too much for me. Aww. Before we get started on Prodigy, one quick other note. We've been doing a lot of notes today, I guess. All um right. We'll do a couple shout-outs during the show later, but if you're on Twitter or Facebook right now while you were watching or listening to this, do us a favor on Twitter and Facebook at AfterBuzzTV. Hit like or hit follow. You can follow along with everything AfterBuzzTV does. Later on, we're going to be talking about Maria Menounos, our founder, and some of the stuff she's getting into. We're going to be giving out our social handles at the end of the show, but in the meantime, go like us, go follow us on Twitter and Facebook at AfterBuzzTV. Enough of the intro. Let's get to the show. Already, yeah. Wow, that took a long time. Okay, (laughs) Prodigy, a lot of stuff to talk about. And let's start at the start, which 
it's all interesting today. A lot of stuff happened yes, tonight. Yes, this was a good episode. This was a great episode. And let's start with the most boring, and I don't mean negatively. I just mean of the three storylines going on, this was like the least interesting was Bo and Margaret. There's so much going on tonight. Yeah, there was. So Bo and Margaret, we see Bo have a vision of another person she has to help. And hey, Well, it's... we don't know it's a vision at first. No, we, we don't. Just, when we we're just, first we introduced. Just, it literally opens up on Bo sitting in the car with this family in the car driving somewhere did you know, i already say in the car but anyway in the car driving and they get in a wreck and Bo has not had good luck in cars remember the first scene of the first episode now the first scene of the ninth episode is deja vu to me yes not yeah. good and then we but we do learn pretty quickly that it's a vision um but we start to learn about this family Bo has this girl who's going to become a friend to her in a couple of scenes margaret who is a violin um prodigy i guess is the word hence the title of the show yep and we learned There's that... There's a few prodigies, I think. I think that that has dual meaning. In what way? Well, Bo's a prodigy. She is a of prodigy. Of her own kind. And then Margaret is a prodigy. And Danny may or may not be. We're still learning. Yeah, Danny's a scary prodigy. But I mean, we'll get we don't, to her. And we, we don't know if she's really... Because a prodigy is like from a mentor, right? No, I think a prodigy is... Like you would say, a child prodigy is somebody who's very proficient at something at a very young age. So in this case, with Bo and with Margaret... Somebody who's very proficient at a very young age who's very new to doing something. So maybe Danny isn't because she's a little older. A little older. Although she could be because she's never been trained right. in the powers. Which which I know I cut a little, you know, into things going into Danny, but going back, we see Bo when we find out it's a vision. All these bricks fall because she's been training. Exactly. Again. Exactly. And uh, we should mention this, even though it doesn't have anything to do specifically with this tale, with this story, but we finally see the butterflies again. The butterflies come out. They are on the tree. That's right. That actually is the yes. literal first cut frame in, the, in yeah. the episode. Yeah. And we haven't seen them in a couple episodes. No, or they've f- been in every episode. Really? What yeah. were they? I'm trying to, I'm trying to think Somebody back. Somebody pointed it out to us on YouTube in one of the episodes we didn't mention it. Oh, I believe it's, it. It's been in all. Yeah. It's been in all of them. Well, they are here and they're pretty obvious yeah. for this first yes, one today. They, yes. So... The accident happens, which is actually the vision of the accident. Then we go and we see that Bo has been training. She's with Tate. And Bo's taking it so seriously now. Like, the, t- there, he is all business, folks. Yeah. All business on this one. And it, it, it was a little bit harsh for me, I feel like, to see him being so... I, it wasn't really parental, I didn't feel. It, it was like, like, train, like, he was all business. Like, like a, a I don't know how else to say... Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I've never had a coach like that. I've also never had like a one. I I was always like on a team, so I never had to deal with like one-on-one coaching like that would be or tennis or, you know, something, gymnastics. Um, violin. Violin. But you have a teacher, not a coach. But same difference. It's it's, it's somebody who's pushing you very one-on-one. hard in a well, one-on-one case. I guess, okay, case. then in that sense, I, you know, took piano and voice lessons. So, I mean, this isn't about me, but. But it could be. No, no, no. <laughs> no, but I mean, you're right. She is being pushed pretty hard by Tate in this first in this first opening scene. Um, and something interesting happens when they kind of start fighting. A, she's playful with him because she puts the cup of water over his head. I love that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, it's like, okay, I'll train, but it might be at your expense. Hmm. How do you feel about that, Dad? And oh, B, wait. No, not Dad. Tate. The, well, that's a good point. I was just going to say, and B, she never calls him Dad. She's Still, constantly calling him Tate. I thought the first time that she might is when they go to dinner at Margaret's family's. I thought that maybe when she comes back in the room and she's like, Dad, yes. Dad, we didn't stop it. I thought she would say Dad then. If, if 
if for no other reason than because they're in front of this other family and that society says that's how you talk. At the same time, we know Margaret's homeschooled and while she doesn't have friends as much, she understands some of the social norms because she d- does have a family and she was raised by these parents yeah. from birth. Bo doesn't have that. She has never really been exposed to the actual world because she was born straight into orchestra. So a social norm, like, I don't think she realizes that it's weird that she doesn't call her dad by dad. She actually calls him by his name. Yeah. I still don't call my parents by their first names. Unless I'm, like, in a crowd trying to get their attention. I do, and I have since I was a kid, but that was more really? of a joke. Yeah, it was more of a joke than, than like, not understanding social norms because I wasn't, I wasn't born into orchestra, believe it or not. Bo I, was. I do. I do <laughs> believe that about you. No telekinetic powers in you. Well, thanks. Be careful. I might put a cup of water over your head, Coco. Um, no, you're right, though. Although, the one thing I will say, and I, I agreed with you, I thought that Bo was going to call Tate dad only because they can, they've learned to kind of manipulate people with these white lies about who they are and where they came from and why they're <laughs> trying to help them. And, and a little girl calling a dad dad might elicit a little more sympathy than just calling him Tate. So I thought that maybe she would say the word dad at least to elicit a little bit of sympathy to try to tell this family, don't go driving. You have to listen to us. But she didn't. She still said Tate. She said said Tate the entire episode, which was a little disappointing to me. Now, on the other hand, Tate called her baby at one point. Yes. Which is awesome. A great moment. And I already know people who comment on YouTube and Twitter and stuff about the relationship are going to go crazy when oh, they have seen yes. this thing. It's it's so cute. It's perfect. And he, he's in a high-stress situation, and he calls her baby. I rewinded it and wanted to play it again when I was just watching the screen. I was like, did I did I hear that right? You did? He said, he said baby. You did? He said baby. All right. It's on the closed captioning, too. Definitely baby. Yeah. So Tate maybe is becoming slightly of a better father. But... Back to Bo and Margaret. She runs out from training after the water is dumped. She goes and eventually finds Margaret, finds her playing the violin. They have a little meeting. They have a little fun. They hit it off. Tate comes and sees them. Now, Tate is horrified at the start because Bo's run away again. He can't find Bo. This harkens back to, like, episode two when she ran out of the bus or whatever. Um, But immediately when he sees Bo, in another good dad moment, he sees Bo and Margaret hanging out together and having fun, and he just, like, sits back, crosses his arms. Soaks it in. Exactly. Here's my problem with not that part of the scene, but with uh, the the getting to that, because he, I felt like he runs by, it's like he just, he knew where she was too easily. He knew that, you know, he runs across the street, he runs past the store, he kind of takes a couple steps backwards. We don't know what motivates that. And then he comes and goes into the store and somehow he knows just to go like straight to the very back of the store. Like that was just a little bit too like, okay, we're a TV show. Like we have to get this all within a certain amount of time. There wasn't enough for me like searching to actually not know where she was. It's like he knew where she was. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Although he, I, I assume he could hear the violin just like... Yeah, but how would he... Oh. You know, especially especially when he got into the store. That's right, because she said, do you hear the music? Yeah. Okay, well, I didn't think about that. Although he did find her very quickly. You know what I mean? Like, okay, so there there still is some value, but I guess I forgot that that was 
that would have been something he would have known. See, this is why you can't do this alone, folks. That, that's actually very true. We have like four pages of notes, and I know we're going to miss stuff, too. Um, but no, you're right. Although I will say that he did find her very quickly for Bo running out into the street and could literally be anywhere. He did hone in on her pretty quickly. But hey, maybe it's his dad instinct. Now well, that he's but a dad. It, no, I, I think you're right. I think it's the music. I yeah. think he was able to follow the sound of the music and that that was more where it comes from. Yeah. Um, so let's keep going with Bo and Tate because they sort of go on a wild goose chase for a lot of this episode trying to stop the car accident, trying to stop Margaret's family from driving, trying to stop uh, James Deschel, Deschiel from driving, who turns out to be the conductor of the New York, New York Philharmonic. Um, and nothing really works for them until they finally cave in and have Bo use well, her and powers. I love but- how Tate said, you know, that he's a hypocrite. And he humbled himself to basically say that, you know what, you're right. You need to be you. Like, yes, because he also says in this episode that he's officially the parent. And she's like, as of when? And he's like, right now, I'm officially the parent. You're grounded. Right? Yeah. Ugh. And so I felt like that was sort of a turning point. And then he does let Bo be Bo because I think he realizes that if she's going to be training and if she's going to use her powers and she's or her ability to, to, and to, to make that stronger, why not do it in a way that helps people, especially when lives are at stake for people in this particular case? You know, I, so I love that. I love that he let her do it. I love that when they, when the accident or near, I mean, still, I would could still consider that an accident, just no collision. Oh, thankfully, absolutely. You know, yeah. um, I loved that when that happened, it was one of those where it was like he didn't know Bo and Bo didn't know him per se because. Tate had been the one that had approached him. So I kind of love that it was like this teamwork thing, but it was still sort of anonymous because that director or conductor didn't, he had never been around Bo because Tate went by himself. Yeah. And that Bo, or sorry, that Tate called Bo and was like, I, I, I didn't make it happen. Like, I'm a hypocrite. You have to go. And he called her and is like, Get out of the house and I've go got, do this. And, got, and for the first time, Bo actually had listened and was just sitting at home. I've got the exact quote. Quote, mm-hmm. Bo, this is why you practice so you can do a good thing every now and then, okay? And then he calls her baby. So he finally understands, too, that, yeah, we can't be doing these things. We have to lay low. We have to stay safe. Winner will get mad. We're putting ourselves in danger. But if we're going to get involved or when we get involved, Bo has incredible powers. We can use them to help people, and it is the right thing to help people. So Tate... Not only is softening up, but really gaining empathy by having to live with Bo and deal with Bo as a as a daughter and just as another human being. He's getting empathy and seeing the world maybe is bigger than just, you know, it ain't Tate's world, it's the whole world, which is a good thing. Yes, I agree. I love that. So moving on with them, um, let's talk a little bit about Margaret and her family. She's being pushed very hard, although it's a weird dichotomy because she's clearly pushed very hard by the mom more so than the dad. However, Margaret also very clearly loves doing this. So she's sort of trying to balance out how much to commit to it and how much to commit her life to it. But she does love to play. Yeah, I mean, and I think they said in the episode that she's 14. And, you know, so for me, it's one of those things where it's kind of like the same thing with Bo, only Bo's is more of like a duty obligation type ability where playing the violin isn't necessarily something that, is like a duty. You know what I mean? It's something that she's taken upon herself or that it it almost looks like has been sort of pushed on her to do. And you can tell that she loves it, but at the same time, it's like to what expense to having no life outside of it. And I think that's her only dislike for it is it's not a dislike for it. It's a dislike for the cost that being as good as she's driven to be is. And perhaps that it almost seems like it's not her dream to be, 
able to play all over the world in Carnegie Hall. It's her mom's. Mm -hmm. Maybe until their lives are spared in that accident and she gets that card from the conductor. And I think it's a process versus destination thing, too, in a weird way, because the mom is very pushy in the process and, and very disciplined and tight and this is the way it is and we have to do this you can't bring a friend to a recital because this is the process you need to get good and and margaret the daughter is kind of like what's the point of playing if i don't get a play for somebody which was a very profound thing for a kid to say in that situation it's like i understand why this is important i'm disciplined i love this i want to do this but you have to remember that on some level it still has to be fun when it becomes a chore and just a process Forget it. The destination is people have to enjoy my music. Yeah, I was going to say it has to be something shared yeah. because just like Bo's ability, if that if that is kept in a room for training, for practice, it doesn't do anybody any good. You know, so on that same point, and that's actually a very interesting parallel, I guess, that they sort of give us about Bo and her process and what she's going through, you know, with somebody else sort of her own age. You know, that she's able to be friend. And I love that they brought that in again, that they kind of tied in those moments where she kind of gets to be a kid, mm-hmm. um, which we haven't seen really uh, since she gave the little boy the money. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, it, and it is a parallel. Bo and Margaret are going through in very different ways. The same thing is trying to be disciplined and very good at something with with a very interesting and unique gift that has a lot of power. Obviously, the, Bo's powers are maybe more outwardly there than margaret's but but i mean being being a prodigy at at a very high level art form carries a lot of power in and of itself so they both have a lot of power in their own disciplines and they're both trying to navigate how to be a kid how to have fun how to be normal and respect and 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 give the um the right focus and the right discipline to what they've been given absolutely and the thing that i found funny too this sort of it relates because it's margaret and Bo, but is when margaret says she's homeschooled and and then Bo says something, you know, so she doesn't, she doesn't see your friends a lot. And Bo's like, oh, me too. She's like, oh, you're homeschooled? And she's like, no, I just don't get to see my friends. And it was just like, we got to get you in school. We do need to get her in school. And, and Margaret is a good example for Bo. Bo is a good example for Margaret in having a friend and maybe taking a little bit of time to live maybe a normal life. And Bo helps in a way. But Margaret's a good example for Bo because Margaret is such a disciplined person at practice. Tate's kind of looking at Bo when they're at that dinner and says, yeah, you got to practice. What about that? You oh, I love that. He was totally eating up everything that the yeah. mom was saying. And it was one of those where it's like, no, like the girl is like Margaret is miserable. Or so we think, because as soon as she gets that card, it was like magic. Yeah. You know, and then we see at the recital, her mom, like, so Margaret gives a little bit there. Her mom gives in at the recital and realizes that there is more to life after this near-death experience and says, you can miss one recital. And she says, no, I want to play, you know. So we do see that there is a compromise and a balance that needs to be found. Yeah. And so hopefully, you know, moving forward, we'll get that a little bit with Bo and Tate. I think so. All right, let's pivot. I don't think there's anything more about Bo and Tate. No, if there is, we'll say it. Later. Oh, there's a bunch more, but we could spend hours, so let's just yeah, not even. We got to pivot right now. Let's talk Scorus, and there's a lot to talk about with Scorus. Oh Before we do it, though, Courtney, I have to ask you: Have you seen Chasing Maria Menounos? I have seen every episode. See, I've only seen the episode with the bikinis with the with the pool party. I know I'm a straight. What can I say? I want to see bikinis. Luckily, there are a lot of bikinis in in a lot of these episodes, but more than bikinis. Maria Menounos, founder of AfterBuzz TV. She has a new series, Chasing Maria Menounos, on Oxygen. It is Tuesdays at 10 p.m., although, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, you can get it on demand online at a bunch of places, iTunes, Amazon, or on demand, so you can watch it whenever you want to watch it. And I would recommend it's very different from Believe, but this would be a fun one to watch. It's funnier. It's, I like it. 
Well, and I would say, I mean, along the lines of that show, it's, it's, you know, if you love our show and you love After Buzz, a way to support us doing Believe or any of the after shows on After Buzz is going and watching that show and liking it and subscribing on iTunes and rating it as well. Because without Maria and Kevin, who star in Chasing Maria, we would not have After Buzz. We would not have this Believe show. We wouldn't have Studley. Listen, folks, we're doing our best. We hear your voices. We're trying to get Studley on Chasing Maria Menounos. I don't know if it's going to happen. We're also trying to get Studley on Believe. Well, I know that's not going to happen. <laughs> but we're trying I mean, to get... we have Stanley. That's probably as good as we're, we're going to get on We're board. trying to get Studley on something. All right, let's talk Scorus. <laughs> that was a good transition with Studley. Um, a lot of stuff happens with Scorus today, and, and broadly more than Scorus, but Winter and Channing and the FBI and all this sort of stuff. The first place that to go... That almost reminded me of The Wizard of Oz. Like lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Scorus and Channing and... Winter, oh my. Right? <laughs> Just saying. I like it. I'm well, sorry, guys. The first place to go with Scorus is Zoe. Because Scorus and Zoe go get Danny. He comes in Danny's room. I don't know if I call it her room because she was technically oh, homeless. Oh, I totally forgot about that. It was in yeah. a house that was condemned. So yeah. it, it just looks like it was not being monitored. And so it wasn't really her home, but she could stay there or live there. Well, I think nobody maybe knew and she was just hanging out there. And well, that's what I mean. It was yeah. Like nobody was monitoring the premises to say, get out. Yeah, exactly. But they find her, they bring her in. Um, Scorus talks to Danny about how she's homeless, what she went through to get wherever she went to get through and how she, or excuse me, how he needs to help her and how her mind is so powerful that he has a place to help her. Um, she's kind of creepy from the beginning, although we learn more about her later and we'll touch on her. But Scorus really shows how manipulative he is here in how he's, he doesn't really care for these people's well-being. It doesn't seem. He just wants, it's a means to an end for him and he wants her at orchestra because she is powerful. Well, and we don't, at this point, we don't know really what he's up to. And, and, and actually by the end of the episode, we still don't know. You know, I mean, we, we have a little bit more insight from his encounter with Winter, but at this point, you know, he has a very selfish motive. It sounds like aside from Bo that he's going after Danny. I mean, we know we know from the episode prior and this episode that there's still absolutely that uh, she's the most powerful telekinetic ability that they've seen on that radar since Bo. And it's interesting because they're not really saying that it's... They're not really saying that it's, like, more powerful than Bo, but I almost feel like they think that it is. You know what I mean? Like, so it's it's just one of those things where I... Oh, I totally forgot about, about Danny, And I love how she moves the chair. So it's interesting because she's absolutely been training on some level. I'm not really sure, like, how she's trained. I mean, or or how she sort of developed her abilities because we see in the episode that she's never come across anybody else like her. You know, and yet she knew how to move the chair in front of Scorus. We find out later about her history with her family. Although that actually sounds more like a bow incident where it's like she screamed and it, it wasn't controlled. And, you know, we lost, she lost her brother because of it. Yeah, I'm confused about losing the brother. I think, and Zoe agrees with me, she murdered the brother. Whether it was uncontrolled well, or no, not. But did Zoe say murder or did she say kill? Because well, she, she did kill her. Like, I don't disagree. She killed her brother. She said kill, but I, the connotation I took from Zoe was she killed her brother like she was culpable. Like, she meant to do this or knew of her strength when she did it and shouldn't have done it and made a bad decision. And, and at the very least, if we were charging her in a court of law, would have been 
charged with some kind of manslaughter, manslaughter or something kind of like that. Or... Yeah. Well, I I feel like that that was actually a turning point in Danny. I feel like that she actually was. I really feel like it was more like Bo when she was at the train station and she just got so angry and she just screamed and it just sort of happened. Because she says, and I believe her when Danny says, that, you know, she tried to lift the bookcase off of him, but she couldn't. And it's one of those where it's like, again, when Bo got so scared that she was frozen, that yeah. she couldn't do anything. And so I just feel like it was sort of, she was young, she was untrained. She didn't even really know what it was she could do or had. It, it sounds like when Scorus finds her, she still doesn't really know that, that that she's not alone, that this is actually a thing. You know, that this isn't just some sort of wrong thing or curse that she yeah. has but i do think that because of having this ability steering her life in such a negative way because it did cause her to kill her brother it basically did cause her to lose her family it did kind of push her into living in this condemned home and sort of being homeless so yeah i think that having this ability is something that she sees as negative and i think it kind of brings out this darkness in her i mean plus hello like she's got to be the rival or sort of the counterpart to Bo. so you know, there's going to be sort of that dark, negative, maybe hostile way about her, which we see later in the episode. But Scorus feels like he's you know, I was at the gold mine. We've, listen, we've dropped so much on Danny. Danny was our third topic. Let's keep talking about her right now. We'll okay. get to Scorus later because Danny is interesting. And while we're there, let's keep going. Um, first off, she thinks orchestra is kind of a prison when she shows up or she's unsure well, what to well, think Well, it was it. funny because, you know, they're describing it to her and Zoe's totally saying it like it's going to be like a spa resort kind of yeah. a thing. But Danny's perspective on it is prison because, you know, nothing Zoe said was you can't, she didn't say, and you can never leave and the premises is locked down and it's monitored and you can't leave your room or there's visiting hours. No, she doesn't say anything like that. She says it's a 200 acre, uh, private, private, uh, 200 acres of like private land. And you have a laboratory facility. You have a training facility. You know, we have, um, the, I, I don't remember what she called them, but like, you know, basically like the sleeping areas kind yeah. of a thing. And she's like, so it's a prison. And she's like, no, it's a sanctuary. And I think Zoe really believes that. And, and my struggle with Zoe is I think Zoe believes in orchestra and I think she believes in training and really identifying and, and refining these abilities that these telekinetic subjects or people or, you know, whatever they're going to call them. Uh, you know, I think she really believes in, in what orchestra is doing or can do. I think her struggle always falls with sort of the pacing and the motivation behind score is pushing things to the edge with them because that makes them dangerous. Which sounds exactly like Winter's problem, only Winter is now on the outside. That was Winter's problem with Scorus and how Scorus maybe wanted more and Orchestra is getting too dangerous. But he still, he believes in what these people are doing. He believes in like Bo. Zoe, I think, is the same way. She certainly believes in Bo. She certainly has empathy for all these other special people with special powers. She's just... Uh, she's not too sure about scores and she's terrified of him and she's terrified of him but i also think that maybe the reason that she's still there is because she isn't privy to the information that winter has about this like side project that sort of like sounds like it's under the table secret type of a of a thing and so i feel like that might be the breaking point for her actually leaving is when she finds out about it granted because we know about her encounter with Danny, she may already be out the door. I mean, this may be, this next episode, you know, may be where it happens that she's no longer a part of 
of orchestra and, and teams scores, if you will, because Danny, we, we find out Danny knows. And interestingly enough, Danny didn't tell them. Yeah, because Danny needs a little leverage over somebody because yes. Danny's figuring out. Question about Zoe, and I don't know. So if somebody knows at home or if we miss this somehow, um, Winter and Scora started at the start and started orchestra together. With Nina, yeah. Yeah, day one almost, you know, day zero. How far along in that process did Zoe get involved? How new is she to orchestra? Do we know? We don't. Okay. I mean, it sounds like... Like Channing, you know, Zoe has been involved for a long time. I mean, the orchestra... Well, I guess I say a long time. I mean, it's only been around as long as Bo... Yeah. Well, a little bit longer than Bo's been alive. Um, You know, so roughly 10 years. But, I, I mean, I would imagine Zoe was brought in, you know, year one, year two. Especially to be sort of the next in line, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't so, know. I, but, I guess but I'm just I don't curious. know that that's come out. Yeah, I don't think it has. I'm just curious of her loyalty level or her knowledge level because that would be part of it. If she was there from day one, I think we would expect her to know a lot more as opposed to a hired gun who came in three or four or five years. You know, in. and it's interesting because Danny knew so much about scores. It's kind of the first time we find out about him because she's reading his mind when he's in her con- her condemned home, if you will. But it's still nothing of consequence. It's no, his birthday, no. Oak Park, Illinois. But no, but it's still one of those things where, yeah. you know, we've never heard anybody talk about him in such a, like, normal, just sort of basic facts way. Yeah. But it's interesting that you say that about her with with Danny with leverage because it maybe Danny realizes that if Zoe's a traitor, there's maybe a reason. And so she Danny is trying to figure out which side to, to sort of join forces with. Yeah. That that maybe she should go with Zoe, but she's not going to decide yet. You know, she wants to figure out which side to be on. And by doing what she did to Zoe in that final scene, she terrifies Zoe enough to get in line and hold her place and not cross Danny and not say anything at all in any situation just until Danny can get a good read on who's who and what's what at orchestra. I think so. Yeah. I mean that, or it's like, don't mess with me and we're going to take training on whatever pace I say. Because or, I kn- I could I could call you out basically at any point in time. Or alternate theory, Danny's a serial killer and she's insane. Well, I mean that's which, very possible. Which would actually be fascinating in and of itself. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, well, yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't think that that will happen. I because I I really do personally think that the killing of her brother was accidental. Um, but I think that she sort of knows that she's capable of that side of things. And the, that's why she goes about choke. It looked like choking Zoe, yeah. like closing her esophagus or something, so that she struggled for air. And you know, but but again, nothing that killed her. It didn't even make her pass out. Yeah, I mean, not to say that it wasn't serious. Yeah, no, I. You know, yeah. and it's interesting because that's also the first time that I've ever seen, other than Bo playfully with Tate, really, the first time we've ever seen, uh, the. I want to say workers, you know, but sort of the execs or sort of those that run orchestra that don't have the telekinetic powers being challenged, you know, and it's, 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 it's interesting because it sort of reminds me, it's like, when are all of these people with these amazing abilities going to realize that they sort of have more power or could have the control? Maybe they won't. Maybe Danny will start the uprising and build momentum in the movement of them, Going out on their own. And I mean, who knows? There's so many things that can happen now that Danny's in the picture with start such a, an ability. And start a mutiny in some way. Yeah. Where Bo is so powerful, but Bo is a little kid. And if she had stayed at orchestra, she's probably, she probably doesn't have the mindset to start a mutiny. Danny is a little off her rocker. Whether the whether the, the killing totally. was accidental or purposeful or whatever, that plus the Zoe situation, 
Danny's playing with a few screws loose. She might be smart enough slash dumb enough to start a mutiny like that. Oh, I, I completely agree. She reminds me, and I, oh, I wish I knew her name, but there's a character on Orange is the New Black. She's the girl that, like, gets so... Have you seen that show? Mm-mm. She's like, she gets so into Jesus. And, and she thinks that she has, like, the ability to heal people. And she's just going around. And it's one of those where it's like, she really means well, but she's a little off the rocker, and she totally tries to, like... Bring people together in this way that's just not okay. Huh. Anyway. Yeah, Courtney, I know you're talking yeah. exactly. Okay. <laughs> sorry. So, do you know her name? No, but I know if you said it, I would know. Oh. Be like, yeah, I, 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 I wish up. I knew. I thought I heard Roya off camera. When you said Orange is New Black, she was like, mm-hmm. Yeah. See? <laughs> when I figured out which character you're talking about, I'm like, yep, yep, she, yep. Yeah. So, I mean, it just she just reminds me of sort of that. I, I don't think Danny like, means ill. But because of everything she's been through and because all of, I mean, really, I do. I think that all of the things that she correlates to having this ability are all bad, negative things that have happened to her. Yeah. You know, and so she, I feel like almost can't help it, but use it in a negative, dark, bad way because that's just sort of the only experience she's had with it. Whereas Bo's really never had the bad experience. I mean, the worst was when she was in the train station and she did hurt him josh was that josh joshua i think it was joshua forgive me if it wasn't joshua that was uh, several episodes back but but when she hurts him and it's like she wanted him to stop but she didn't necessarily want to hurt him yeah she just wanted him to stop and and i think it's a worldview issue for danny too she's she's been in foster care her parents kicked her out of her home or whatever it was happened after her brother's death she has these weird powers that nobody knows anything about and she knows that they're kind of wrong to talk about anyways and she doesn't show many people yeah she's called a liar yeah she, i mean and she, outcasted and then she as an adult is living on her own in a condemned condemned home which is disgusting anyways but have you ever lived alone like on your own for a long period of time where you didn't know anybody and you weren't close to anybody it's easy to like if you move to a new city or something it's easy if you don't get in a group quickly or if you're not mentally tough enough to really start looking at life a little more negatively than you would have otherwise because it's tough being alone if you're not used to that for mindset. too long yeah. for too long and so if you're danny's situation coming what what she came from and she's socially alone in this condemned house to begin with everything she sees has dark and nefarious motives and has exactly. a negative thing so yeah. of course she comes in with that color and she's going to be that way the question is when she's more around people like she will be at orchestra does Danny kind of cool down and turn around and become more positive? Or is that just the way she is? Which would be scary. Right. Oh, I mean, and only time can tell. And that's why I thought it was so interesting that she, you know, we see her go to Channing. Well, she's brought in by scores to go to Channing and to, to read her mind. And we know that we now know at that point that Channing has the meditation tactic that she's been able to now withstand the first guy that they bring in with telekinetic powers to read her mind, it in the course of, I think they said three hours, maybe give or take a little bit, he wasn't able to get anything but the merrily, 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 life is but a dream that she's repeating. I'm assuming repeating and like she's just been trained to like only think those thoughts and just to yeah. basically, you know, loop that phrase so that he can't get into anything deeper. And obviously Danny's able to get into deeper and she doesn't give that information. Now, is there more information that she has that she's not giving out? She's just only letting us know via telling Zoe that she knows about Zoe. You know, there's just so much now that can happen with Danny. And I really, really hope that that we get to see it yeah. kind of unravel. 
Um, I like that you mentioned Channing. Let's transition to her because we don't have too much time left. And there is one big piece of news I want to get to today, too. Before we do that, guys, if you are listening on iTunes, hit subscribe if you would be so kind. And we would love to have your ratings. If you can rate us on iTunes, if you like what we're doing, give us five stars. If you like Coco, give us five stars. She's beautiful. She deserves five stars. I don't know about me, but Coco and Studley combined, that's a (laughs) five-star crew right there. No, really. I mean, tell us how we're doing. If you're on iTunes, rate us. If you're on YouTube, hit subscribe. Keep commenting below. We love it, and we love hearing from you guys. So let's transition very quickly to Scorus. Give a couple minutes on him, and then we do have one big piece of news I want to get to because it has to do with Twitter and all the folks tweeting us. Okay, (laughs) okay. Let's talk Scorus. We've mentioned him a little bit, but we see more of him today, a very brief window into his private life, just where he was born, that sort of stuff. Yeah. But the big news for him is, oh, yeah, he gets kidnapped. Mind blown. Right into Winter's trap. Winter knew that he, there's no way that if he thought he had Winter trapped, that Scorus wouldn't be there to make sure and sort of verify that this happens. Yeah. So that he totally turns it against him. Well, Scorus is too cocky. Scorus had to be there because he's conceded. Absolutely. It's, it's, not about, it's not about the FBI. It's not about these girls with powers. It's about Scorus. He had to be there. Oh, absolutely. Well, and it's interesting because I thought actually that when she got the address, that when Danny got the address from Channing, that maybe as part of Winter's like big plan and a little bit to sort of blow your thought process or theory on he doesn't know what he's doing that he knew listen, what he was doing today. right yeah that, that that maybe he gave channing like he told everybody false information so that if their mind got read that it would be this information but it wouldn't be right yeah you know so it was kind of like one or the other that was what went through my head this is so much better because yes it was the right or the wrong information depending on the way you want to look at it and scores gets kidnapped which is a beautiful thing. And not only that, but the bomb. Remember oh the gosh, FBI agent? Oh my gosh, you saw like the tranquilizer or whatever they put in so the So freaky, man. Oh my gosh. The, remember Woo! the bomb that they put in the home? The FBI agent was like, the bomb was just in the middle of the kitchen. It was like they, they meant, meant for us to see it. Yeah. Which to me tells them that Winter was like, hey man, we got to get away, but I don't want to hurt anybody. Right. Yeah, because you know? he, he didn't want to hurt the FBI agent, knowing yeah. that that would be the person that goes in there. Yeah, it's not Scorsese going in first. He's or sitting Swa- in the truck. Or, yeah, yeah, no, Scorsese, I mean, because I don't even think Scorsese is really supposed to be there. Yeah, he definitely just, definitely shouldn't be. No, there. he's powerful enough that he can kind of just be there and follow the FBI, but he's not probably legally allowed on the premises. And hey, just for the record, I do have to say this on camera Kate Aquilano, she'll be back with us next episode. She's not here today, and I'm kind of glad because she would be gloating. Her prediction last week, she called it a <laughs> trade. trade. Straight up, scores for Channing, and it happened. And I'm watching it, and I'm like, no, Kate's never going to let us live this down. Oh she my called gosh, it. I loved that she did. She I loved it. that she did. For like the first time ever in After Us history, somebody got the prediction <laughs> right. <laughs> that is sort of like an like a not obvious prediction you know what i mean no like, I'm we'll, we'll predict things and it's like well duh that's gonna happen because you saw half of it happen in the preview yeah but none of this was something that we would have known I think, you know ahead of time i think kate's talking to the writers no way that's what I, I think kate just has really good intuition maybe kate has powers Maybe she's telekinetic. Maybe. Okay, we'll be nicer to her next week. I think we should. We <laughs> okay. should be nice to her anyways. We should be nice to everyone. Well, that's true. Studley's making... Studley's giving us empathy. We talked about Tate getting empathy from Bo. We're Aww. getting empathy from Studley. Thanks, Stud. <laughs> Scorus does two huge party fouls today. The first one is... With the FBI agents present wanting to question Channing, he decides he's going to send in people with telekinetic powers to question Channing. 
Agent Farrell, put a stop to this guy. He's rogue. Get rid of him. Oh Obviously, she doesn't. No. Huge party foul. The second one, and much more importantly for our purposes, he shoots Channing in public in front of the FBI. Bullet was meant for winter, but he pulled out a gun and shot somebody. At this point, if you are Agent Farrell, I, we'll see what happens next episode. I know she was in the previews. <laughs> we'll see what happens, but Agent Farrell... Scorus is rogue. It's time to go to the government higher up than you are and take him off this. Either shut down orchestra like Winter wanted or remove Scorus because this dude's insane. He just attempted to murder someone. I I think it's time to get him out of here. Well, yeah. I mean, part of me almost wondered if if there like, I mean, part of me just almost thinks that like maybe Winter knew he would try to shoot or, you know, like maybe even a little bit that that was sort of like the agreement that that him shooting Winter would sort of be his way out without having to, like, fully tell Mm -hmm. his, you know, like, attempted murder would be, like, as bad as it gets, which just kind of goes to show potentially, like, how bad it actually gets if attempted murder is, like, letting yourself off easy. And that Channing sort of interfered with that by trying to save Winter and getting, you know what I mean? Because it definitely looked like she jumped in to take the shot. Oh, without a doubt. She stepped in front of Winter, absolutely. And she knows that Winter is more valuable than her because Winter probably knows much more about Skouris, which he does, considering their meeting when when Skouris was kidnapped. Um, But again, Skouris, I don't understand how you can shoot somebody in broad... There's got to be consequences for him. There has to be. No, there absolutely has to be. Absolutely has to be. I mean, and maybe it's just like a crime of passion. Or. You know, like, it just, he really got that mad. It had nothing to do with anything him and Winter talked about. Well, I mean, it obviously has everything to do with him and Winter talked about. But as far as that not being, like, part of the agreement. Yeah. That the agreement was for him just to sort of quietly bow down, close his secondary plan, whatever this dark side program was that he was creating. I mean, and, and it sounds like. Because he talks about if the military knew, they would shut you down. Which tells me that Scorus, because he took a shot at Winter that Channing took, um, Scorus is at the end of his road, and he obviously doesn't want to be removed from this program, and he's in too deep now. I think he cuts off all contact with the CIA and the military, and he tries to go underground in the same way that uh, that Winter has had to go underground with Bo. Because he's you can't get you can't do much worse than he just did without like killing a lot of people. Well, yeah. Absolutely. And it's one of those things where, I mean, maybe Bo to him is like the key to this whole rogue program, you know, and now he realizes like either a, the only way he's going to get Bo is by going rogue without her to try to get her Yeah, or he he can't wait to get her. It will take too long and he's just going to have to use Danny or the resources he has without Danny and just hope for the best. Yeah. Scorus, just like winter has ran out of options and is kind of, Running on fumes, figuring out as this, he goes. I mean, till this, Scorus has has maybe run out of options in the same way. Although he's got better logistical capability because he's got orchestra and those employees and all that. Well, I mean, and up until this point, he has the FBI. I mean, he has kind of everybody on his side. He's sort of playing by the law. Yeah, you know, till now. Till now, yeah. So. He he lost all that leverage immediately. Anything else on Scorus, or should we jump to uh, news gossip predictions? Oh, that's all I got. All right, let's do a little news and gossip. Yeah. I wanted to get to this today because we have two pieces of news, and one is a big one for viewers of this after show, so they will like it. The first one, though, Jamie Chung plays Channing. Maybe is going to be killed in the next episode because she's bleeding out from a bullet wound. We'll see. Well, I have a feeling she'll make why, it. How did that make news and gossip? No, that didn't make news and gossip. I'm just saying that, that we'll see what happens well, to her next Well, that's predictions. I know. Get to the news and gossip. 
Wow. I'm hungry for it. You're hungry for food. I have a feeling you haven't eaten dinner. No, I I ate. haven't eaten dinner. I ate. Uh, all right. Well, Jamie Chung plays Channing. It has been announced for you superhero movie buffs. She is a voice actor on the animated feature film Big Hero 6. It's a collaboration between Marvel and Disney. Those are good bedfellows. That will come out November 7th in theaters in 3D on November 7th. No word on what character she's going to play, but supposedly it's going to be a big film. It's listed in her credits on NBC.com is how the scoop first got broken. It hasn't been officially announced, but Jamie Chung is going to be in a big animated feature on superheroes. For this year? It's coming out this year? A voice actor coming out November 7th. 2014. 2014. That's cool. That is very cool. She's working a lot. She's got a lot of work. She's doing very well. I met her a couple years ago at an event for the Sundance Film Festival. And she was one of the nicest people I've ever met in this business. And so it's so fun to see her now so biz- so much busier, you know, and that all of the things that she was doing then sort of paying off to, yeah. to get her where she is now. So and we've talked about Jamie. And we've talked about that movie Eden before. She's yes, doing a lot of good love work. That. Yeah. Uh, second thing, second piece of news. This is a big one, guys, if you're watching this, if you're watching this after show. Believe is on the fence for a second season uh, return. The Cleveland Plain Dealer newspaper, their TV critic, has listed every single show on primetime and cable and stuff right now, and Believe is on the fence. Maybe renewed, maybe canceled, which is not good news because the ratings have been up and up and up lately. Hopefully it's enough. Either way, fans of Believe on Twitter are doing something about it. Have they tweeted you about this? No one's tweeted. Well, I don't think. They tweeted me about this campaign. (gasps) We just got word of a very cool Twitter campaign. They're going to NBC Universal's viewer feedback portals and their email address, and they want everybody in the feedback department to know how much they love Believe. So here's what we're going to do, guys. If you are listening to the podcast, go on the YouTube video of this show. If you're on YouTube, you're there already. We are going to put up in the comments section information from these folks on Twitter and the Believe fan club of how you can email or write to NBC Universal and tell them, Renew Believe, we love this show. They've got a hashtag, hashtag Renew Believe. They've I got, saw that. You saw that? I they've saw got, that. They've got a picture that they're going to send around with butterflies in it wanting NBC Universal to Renew Believe. So we're going to put it in the comments section on YouTube. So if you're listening to the podcast, Go on the video version or go on AfterBuzzTV.com. You can find it there. If you're on YouTube, you're already there. But you can get involved. You can also tweet hashtag RenewBelieve. And that's going to be something we're doing in the next couple of yeah, weeks. Yeah, you'll see ours. You can retweet it and, and go to all the links. Exactly. And shout out to the Believe fan club and Steph and those folks over there for spearheading this and everybody who's done yeah. that. Because they want a second season. We want a second season. And I know you guys want to see us and Studley for a second after show recap season. Woo woo! All right, let's do some predictions. Really convincing. Are you an actress? Because that was a very convincing, scared face. Was it? Yeah, it was good. I am an actress. Really? My classes are paying off. <laughs> All right, let's get to predictions. Maybe they're not. Coco, what do you think's going to happen next week? Or or beyond? Or beyond. Um, you know, I think that in the next episode, we're going to sort of get a much clearer picture about the relationship between Danny and Zoe. I, you know, I think I would love to see it happen that, that Zoe... Come to find out Zoe has something on Danny. And so the leverage sort of becomes a mute point in that they're just sort of like on this equal playing field where it's like, well, you got this on me. Well, I got this on you. A moot point or a mute point? Moot. Did I just I say mute? Yeah, you said Dang mute. Dang it. It was cute. I liked it. My prediction, I'm going to stick to my same prediction from last week in a different way. Last week when Channing was captured, I said, she's done. That's it. They're going to kill Channing or do whatever. That didn't happen, but she got shot. 
in the exchange. She doesn't get so killed. So I'm saying something's going to happen. Channing's done. No way. I don't know. We'll no see. Way. That's why it's predictions. I'll check the con- the contracts. I'm also going to email Kate and find out what she would have predicted so that I can get my prediction right next week. Oh, gosh. Speaking of Kate, you can find her on Twitter at Kate Aquilano with two L's. She has a great last name. Courtney, where can we find you on Twitter? At Cohen, C-O-U-H-E-N. On Twitter and Instagram yep. because... Girls get Instagram. They're beautiful. We've talked about this before. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Bobby DeMiro and tweet us. And remember, these next few weeks, use the hashtag RenewBelieve. We want this show back for a second season. Guys, we are not here next week. Believe is taking the week off. Rosemary's Baby is on NBC that weekend, that Sunday. Looks interesting. Watch that anyways. But we will be back on Monday, May 19th for the next episode of Believe. For Courtney and the absent Kate, she'll be back next time too. I'm Bobby. We'll see you guys then. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later! The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 